thanking Pastor Jeremy for the great message that he shared with us last week. You know, God, God loves you guys so much that no matter who's up here, he's going to feed you well. And I was fed well through that message, so I appreciate the word, Pastor Jeremy. And, and I just, uh, Mickey, where, where'd you go? You did a great job. Oh, there you are. And Mickey, Mickey at one time was an usher, but she is actually an elder here. And that's why, you know, she was, she was here sharing the word of God with us about communion. And it's, it's, it's important. But uh, Debbie and I had a great time. We were away for a couple of days, got to pick up our grandson. Uh, Tristan, our grandson, was on an outward bound canoe trip for a week in Maine on these, these rivers. But they had some storms and he had a great time. But uh, how many of you know if a teenager is out in the wilderness expending massive amounts of energy, sleeping on the ground, when you see them, they are fragrant. (laughs) Well, he wasn't as fragrant as his clothes. He had taken a shower, one shower. They had bathed in the rivers, but he got one shower before he got to us. And we were forewarned, so we had garbage bags. We were packing all this stuff up and tying them so that it didn't, didn't just reek in the car. And uh, we asked him what he wanted to do, and he wanted a good meal. So we got him a good meal, and then we got him a good place to stay and just sleep in a bed, which he was not used to. And then we took him to Lake George. And in Lake George, I want you to know a miracle happened. I kid you not. No, it's not going to be up on the screens. I should have thought about that. But we asked him what he wanted to do, and he said, what's that out on the lake? And they were parasailing. You know, a boat pulls you along, the parachute goes up, you go up in the air, and you can see everything. And then he turned to Debbie. Now, I want you to know, that whatever he asks her or whatever Elon, our granddaughter, asks her, she'll do. I could ask her a million times and say, honey, would you like to go parasailing with me? No. <laughs> Tristan turns and says, Grandma, we ought to go parasailing. And she says, okay. And as what had happened when I was trying to teach my wife to ski, and husbands, I want to tell you this, if you're trying to teach your wives to ski, pay for an instructor. (laughs) Some of the best money I ever spent. Because my wife came back to me after learning from the instructor. She said, you know what I learned? I learned if you go a little faster, you turn better. I said, honey, that's what I was, I better not say anymore. (laughs) But, you know, we, we, it, it's, it's an amazing thing when we are experiencing these milestones in our life, these, these things to celebrate, and God has for us to celebrate every day. Um, we're so grateful for all the things that God's done, and, and we can't, we can never fully imagine all that God's done in our lives, and yet it's because he loves us. When did God love us? Before you were ever born. God knew you before you were ever born, and he loved you, and he's always loved you. And he loves everyone, no matter what they do or what they don't do. And that's where when we finally turn to him and give our lives to him, he is able to begin to work in our lives the things that he has designed for our lives because he's our creator, the creator of every human being. And he has the best plan for us. And we've been learning. We've been learning about a lot of things uh, in the word of God about God's kingdom. Because it's a different kingdom. We sang about the kingdom today. Mickey spoke about the kingdom. And yet how much, how much do we really know about the kingdom? See, we're in this new kingdom. And yet we tend to operate in the new kingdom in the old kingdom's ways. We're, we're, we're born into this world under sin. And we're born under that sin and the control of the enemy. 
the kingdom of darkness. The Bible tells us that we've been delivered or rescued from the kingdom of darkness by Jesus and brought into the kingdom of his, his dear son. He's paid the price. Now we have to recognize it and receive him and experience that transformation. But it's a, it's a work that's always ongoing. God is always ongoing in, in our lives, and there's progress to be made. And we're not always aware. We're not always aware of the progress we're making or the action that's taking place or directions that we're going. As a matter of fact, what are you doing right now? Listening, right. But you're moving, right? There is so much movement that is going on that we are just not aware of. We may mentally say, oh, yeah, I know. I know I'm on the earth, and the earth is spinning on its axis at 1,000 miles an hour. And the earth is moving around the sun in, in this solar system at 67,000 miles an hour. You didn't know you were going that fast, did you? And then our solar system is moving through the universe at 448,000 miles an hour. But it's not just the big picture. There's a little picture that's going on. Everything's made up of molecules. Molecules are made up of atoms. Atoms have in them electrons. And do you know how fast an electron moves? Most, most of us is water. We are made up mostly of water. And in one hydrogen atom, at room temperature, the electrons in that hydrogen atom move at the speed of 4,921,000 miles an hour. All this movement. And who knew? I mean, do you think about that and think, I better hold on because we're moving pretty fast. But it's happening, and we're unaware, and yet it's still happening. And we think we know a lot about what's going on, and we know some, but there's so much more going on than we are aware of, and the effects on us and all of that, we could never comprehend. And yet God, God keeps everything working in these different levels, from the smallest to the largest. If he's doing all that, don't you think he can take care of you? Think about that. Think about the fact that God, God has overseen the universe, the solar system, the earth, the atoms. And if he can do that across all that he can take care of you. I want you to know, God wants you to know this morning, he's got you. He's got you. But the question is, will you let him? Because as much as he's got your back and he's got your front and he's got your future and he's got your past and he's got it all, if you decide to take it back into your own hands, I decide to take it back into my own hands, then he's going to say, all right, I'm not going to violate your freedom of choice. And eventually we get to that place, that place where we realize that things aren't working the way we thought. We were sure they would work with the decisions we were going to make. And all of a sudden it's, you know, the wheels have come off. And we turn to God and say, God, I need your help. And God, once again, because he loves us, steps in to realign us and redirect us to redeem the situations that we created by our own choices, by not trusting him. And it's, it's something that we have to recognize. We're in this new kingdom. There's a new king. The king of the kingdom is Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. And yet we live in this kingdom many times as if we were king. And that's what gets us in trouble. And Jesus, when the disciples were, were asking him about how to communicate in the kingdom, which is prayer, he gave them this example. He said, pray after this manner. But he preceded that by saying, don't, don't just vainly repeat things. When we repeat things, 
vainly, it's because we don't know what it means. We just mouth words. And there is a prayer that is the most well-known prayer. As a matter of fact, in 1970, November 29th, in North Vietnam, there were a group of prisoners of war in a, a prison camp. The name of the camp was the Ho Lo Prison. Now, how many of you have heard of that? But it was also known as the Hanoi Hilton. How many of you have heard of that? Yeah. It was notorious for being one of the most brutal prisons you could be in. The conditions were the worst. The torture and the beatings were ongoing. And there was a group of prisoners that had gone to their lieutenant commander, the highest ranking uh, prisoner that was there, and, and asked him, his name was Edwin Sherwin, Sherwin, asked him to lead them in prayer. And they had been forbidden to pray or to sing or do anything. And lieutenant commander began the prayer. And as the guards heard this prayer, they came in, beat him in front of the other prisoners and dragged him out screaming. The door closed on the prison again. The next highest ranking person there continued the prayer. They broke in again, beat that, that prisoner in front of the rest of them, dragged him out, closed the door. The next person continued the prayer. And obviously you know what that prayer was. It's the prayer we've been studying in Mark chapter 6, or Matthew chapter 6. It's the Lord, Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses or our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us or our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. And they were able to continue that prayer because they all knew it. But there's something about knowing about something and understanding it. I know that if I get in my car with my fob in my pocket and push the little button because you don't use a key anymore, it'll start. I know that, but I don't understand how it works. So that means when something doesn't happen the way I expect it to happen, then I'm out of luck. I don't have a prayer of making that work. Because I don't understand it. And that's why Jesus taught them this model prayer, these principles in prayer that we've been learning about. And the first one was our Father who's in heaven. We recognize who we're going to. We're not going to a stranger. We're not coming to somebody who we have to convince. He is our heavenly Father. He loves us. He wants the best for us. So go with confidence, but never forget he's in heaven. He is the creator. He's almighty God. So know that you have that connection and that closeness, but never lose your respect and awe of him. Then it says hallowed or revered or honored be your name. And that's how we're supposed to act. Everything we do, all the actions, all the words, all the intentions, everything that we do should honor God. People should know we're Christians by how we live. And if we're not living in a way that's revealing the character and the nature of God, then there's an adjustment that needs to be made. Then it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So we need his kingdom where he really is ruling and reigning, governing and guiding and guarding us. And his will is being done. And then it goes on to the next part. What's the next part? 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's it. Give us this day our daily bread. And it's not just talking about you're going to have enough bread to eat for this day. It's talking about the things that are essential for daily life. God wants to make sure you have not just life, but you have life more abundantly. And he wants to give that to you every day. But it's our dependence on him, not on us or anything else or a government or a program or a bank account. It's dependence on him every day. And now we're getting to the next part in verse 11, or verse 12. But before we go there, I'd just like you to bow your heads and, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Father, I thank you for every person here and those of, that have joined us online. I thank you there's no time or distance in the Spirit. Father, we thank you that you are present. Your word says where two or more are gathered, you are there in their midst. And so, Father, right now, I thank you for your presence, but Father, we request and we require your involvement. Without you, Father, we can do nothing, but with you all things are possible. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. And so today, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence and your participation in, in this time to cause our lives to be exactly what you intended them to be, and that is abundant. That we would continue to progress and move just as all the things around us are moving. Father, we're supposed to be moving in you. We live and move and have our being in you, but we also want to become more like you, being imitators of you who are unseen, but live big in us. Father, we thank you for your impartation today. What you're going to invest in our lives so that we can continue to become what you have for us to become so that we can do what you have for us to do. And we thank you for your word and your spirit that will be at work today in us so that you can work through us to impact all those you love around us. We thank you for the good work that you've begun, that you are faithful to complete. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. 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 So, so in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, this is the next one. And forgive us, what? Our sin. I want you to say that. Our sin. This is, this is to help us understand. Just like we started out with our, our Father. That immediately connects us. No one of us can look at another one and say, he's my Father, not your Father. We're talking about believers here. And there's no one of us that can say, your sin, but I don't have any sin. Our sin. Forgive us. Our sin. You know, when you point at somebody, everybody point at me. See, you've been waiting to do that. You point at me. When you look at, when you're pointing this finger out that way, how many fingers are pointing back at you? Yeah. So when you point out somebody else's sin, know that there's something that needs to be worked on in you. So forgive us. But it says and, and. So there's this connection. We just went through the portion of prayer where we're asking God to give us. And he gives, but he wants us to forgive. There's a connection here. Because if we don't receive the forgiveness God has for us on a daily basis, because how often do we sin? <laughs> Some of you are like, well, once a week. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we, 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 sins of commission, things we do we shouldn't do, and things of omission, things we should do that we don't do. There are things we're, we're supposed to be doing that we're not. And we're not supposed to be doing them because God's saying, you got to do it. Everything God tells us is for a purpose, and the purpose isn't him getting his way. It's for him to have us get his way so our lives will be abundant. 
so we'll be able to walk in the freedom and the health and the peace and the joy and the wholeness that he has for us. He's not trying to get something from us. He's trying to get something to us. That's your God. Our God is a God that has everything he needs. But now he wants his kids to have everything they need, and the only way to have that is through him. And so he says, forgive us our sins. Now, a little word, two letters, big implications. What's the next word? As, as. There's a connection there. If the first part isn't done, the second part isn't going to be done either. The second part isn't done, the first part isn't done. And forgive us our sins as we what? Forgive those who now, when, when I say those who sin against us, there are people that come to mind. All of us have people that just, it's like, bing, 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 bing. I know who that is. Because we've all had people do things to us that weren't, it wasn't fair. That we didn't deserve. That wasn't right. But it still happens. And so these are the people that, that, the word of God is pointing to. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So the second part is what we have to start with. We have to forgive others so that God can forgive us. Well, I thought I was forgiven. You are, but you continue to sin. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. This isn't revelation. This is exposure. Okay, it's just exposing what's true. And you'll know the truth, and what will the truth do? Set you free and keep you free. And so he says, forgive us our sins as we. So we start with the second part. Who is it in our lives that has hurt us, that has, has disappointed us, has, has uh, gossiped about us, done whatever? Who is that on that list that we're carrying in our mind? That's right, Dwayne. It is a person that God loves. Well, how do you know that? Because God loves everybody. God has loved us all and sent his son to die to forgive our sins. And if God can forgive, who are we not to forgive? Because if, if all of a sudden a judge in a court room makes a ruling and somebody in the courtroom stands up and says no I don't accept that this is my ruling they get thrown out of the court right but many times we do that exact thing with God God is forgiving people and we're holding them to an account you can't control what people do to you is that an accurate statement? All you can do is control what you do with it. Because the enemies behind every injury, all these things that hurt and maim and, and do what they do, he's out there to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, but I've come to give what? Life and life more abundant. And so when the enemy gets an opportunity to work through an individual and do what the enemy wants done to you because he can't do it to your heavenly father. Do you understand that? Do you understand that he can't go up to the throne room of heaven and slap God around? He got kicked out. He got defeated. And so he does the next best thing. If he can't get at him, he's going to get at the one he loves. You. You're his target because hurting you hurts the heart of your father. And when you hurt somebody that God loves, you're hurting the heart of God. It's bad when somebody hurts somebody else, but it's worse when a loved one hurts a loved one. Don't allow the enemy to use you that way. And yet, unfortunately, he does in all of our lives until we recognize how he works 
and we choose not to be ignorant of his ways, and we intentionally choose the things we should be choosing. But we're supposed to forgive others so that our Heavenly Father can forgive us. And, and Jesus gives this model prayer, and there are a few more things we're going to go over, but then right at the end of the prayer, and he says, Amen. That's in verse 13. In verse 14 and 15, this is how important this portion of this prayer is and how he knew that we would have a challenge with this part. Forgiveness is not easy. I expected people to say amen. <laughs> but it isn't. And many people don't forgive. Do you know why they don't forgive? Uh, this is what I hear on a regular basis. I can't. I just can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. You know why you can't forgive? You can't forgive for a number of reasons, but one of the main ones is you're operating by what you feel. And if you as a Christian operate, if you live your life by what you feel, you're going to be on the roller coaster ride of your life. And it is not a good roller coaster. It is a crazy roller coaster. And it just sucks the life out of you. But I just can't forgive. Yes, you can. If God tells us to do it, can we do it? Absolutely. And when we say we can't, we're saying we won't. That's what God hears. When I say I can't do it, God hears me saying I won't do it. And we've got, we've got to reconcile that and recognize, listen, if God's word is telling us that, then we can. But after this prayer, it's right after verse 14, it says this. If you, for, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's in the New Living Translation. Listen to it in the message, the next one down. It says, in prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. Is that true? Absolutely. Prayer isn't us just telling our servant what he needs to get done. And many times that is what we use prayer for, just to boss God around. To tell him what he needs to do, how he needs to do it, when he needs to do it. And we get disappointed when it doesn't happen the way we tell him to do it. But if he's God, he's God, and he's going to do it the best way. A connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God. For instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, listen, you cut yourself off. From God's part. The enemy doesn't have to do anything. We're wrecking our own lives. We're cutting God off from his part. We're cutting ourselves off from God's part. That's why unforgiveness is such a big weapon in the enemy's arsenal. Because once he gets any of us into unforgiveness, now we're starting to cut off ourselves from God's part. And he can just walk away and say, well, job well done. Until they forgive, they're stuck. Now, let's, let's think about this, forgiveness. If we're in unforgiveness, if we forgive, we release something. Is that right? Okay, And if we're in unforgiveness, if forgiveness is releasing, unforgiveness is grabbing onto it and holding it close. It's been said this way. When we're in unforgiveness, we rehearse things and nurse things. Right? We keep remembering it, and it keeps getting worse. It's like it happened yesterday, not 
a year ago or a week ago or years ago. It's right there, right next to you. Do you know what they used to do to murderers in the Dark Ages? When they found the person that had murdered somebody else, they would take the murdered person, the person that was dead, and they would tie them tightly to the person that murdered them. And the deadness that was in that person that they brought began to penetrate them, eventually killing them. Do you know that that's not much different than what happens in our lives when we don't forgive? We just allow all that poison to begin to saturate us. It was poison that caused that person to do it because the enemy was the instigator of it. And all of a sudden, that poison is now because we're not forgiving. We're not letting it go. We're not turning it over to God. We're just holding it close. We're nursing it. We're rehearsing it. And it continues to poison our lives. It affects us, and then it starts to affect how we interact with other people. I will tell you the price that unforgiveness exacts on us is not worth the unforgiveness. And instead, we're supposed to disperse it, let it go. Our granddaughter loves Frozen. I won't torture you. <laughs> but I, I hear her singing this song. And I'm telling you, God speaks to me at times when I don't at all expect it. She's dancing around singing, let it go, let it go. And God says, will you? And I didn't even know I was carrying something. And you may be here today and you may not know that you're carrying something. You are carrying something that you're not letting go to God. Now, another reason why we don't forgive is because we erroneously think that if I forgive them, then I'm saying what they did was okay. That's not what it is. Sin is sin. But we don't want that affecting us. And so we let it go. We forgive. We disperse it. They did what they did. That's a fact. But we choose to live on a higher level and not keep staying on that level of what they did, replaying it over and over and over again. Because if we do, guess what? We're stuck. It's like an anchor in the ground. You won't make the progress that God has for you, and the person has moved on. The only one that hasn't moved on from this is you. It's me when I hold on to unforgiveness. You and I are literally letting somebody who doesn't care about us or is involved with us or anything else continue to control our lives. And if you're controlled by that, you can't be controlled by God. We can't serve two masters. That's why this is so important that right after... Right in the prayer where he says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. He says these things in prayer, you've got to forgive or your heavenly father can't. Is there anything God can't do? Yes. Is he physically able to do anything? Yes. But he will not violate his principles or your free choice. He's not going to force you to forgive. But he wants you to forgive. He wants me to forgive for our benefit. For the benefit of our families. For the benefit of our friends. For the benefit of our witness to other people. Our Heavenly Father forgives. He shows, the Bible says he shows mercy to a thousand generations. And we're going to, this is not going to be a one Sunday message about forgiveness. Because this is so ingrained in us. And we have so many 
rationalizations and justifications why we don't have to forgive and we shouldn't forgive and we can't forgive. That we need to work through this. Because it is a process and it is nothing less than work. It is realigning our thinking. It is adjusting how we do life. But I will tell you this. When we get to the place where the Bible says, freely you have received, freely give. The moment somebody does something bad to you or hurtful to you or disappoints you or injures you, and you can immediately forgive, I want you to know your life is going to be a lot lighter. Because every one of those things that we hold unforgiveness in, it's like a stone. Now, it's not a, always a heavy stone. It's not always the big things. If I were to have somebody come up here today and had a, a gallon of milk, and I handed him the gallon of milk and said, okay, can you hold that? Yeah, I can hold that. But what happens over time? It starts to drop. Why? Because it's getting heavier? No, it's not changed its weight. It's just how long you hold on to it. And your strength and my strength, our strength diminishes over time apart from God. Our strength increases over time with God. And you might say, well, I, I, it's not a big deal. You take a coffee cup. Go home, take a coffee cup fill, full of coffee. Hold it out there. You can be a champion for 15 minutes. But it doesn't matter how long you try and go, eventually you're going to get exhausted. And it's going to drop. And it's the same way with unforgiveness. We hold on to enough of these things. Man, it's pulling our life down. And sometimes we're, we're adding to that load once we're down there and we can't even get up again. I know because I struggled with this. But I will tell you, I am, I'm not past it. But I'm over holding on to stuff. It still happens. But I don't want the results I got from what it does. And so I am trying to be really quick to forgive. Don't hold accounts. Don't hold on to it. Because it, it, it affects. It affects everything. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, we're, we're talking about prayer. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that, that you receive it, it will be yours. Now, this is, this is a promise from God, but it got a very bad name, and it caused many Christians that were word-oriented, word-focused, charismatic Christians to be called name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. It's all about getting. Well, you know what? We need to get. But the problem is we leave it at that. It's just about our consuming things. But we need to get so that we can give. The more we get, the more we can give. And we receive. we got to believe we receive it when we ask. And as it manifests, then we need to distribute it. Freely you've received. Freely you what? It's more blessed to than receive. This is the kingdom. This is the difference between the world out there and the eternal kingdom that you have become a part of since you believed in Jesus Christ. And we need to make the adjustment. And just like this with forgiveness, we need to forgive quickly and completely. But I can't. I keep remembering it. That's a struggle we all have. But it doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. See, we do what we do in the kingdom of God by faith. When we do what we do by faith, it's not about what we feel. It's not about what we see. It's not about what we think. It's us believing and taking action on what we know. The Word of God tells us. And so we forgive. And then when that thought comes back, that dirty, rotten scoundrel, we say, oh, no, they're forgiven. That's not my weight to carry. 
And it's not just que sera, sera. We're giving them away to God. They are going to answer just as you are, just as I am. We're all going to answer for everything we've done unless we choose to forgive. We choose to forgive. So this is talking about prayer. In the next verse, it's staggering what it says. Verse 25, it says this. But when you are praying, that's, that's a message in itself. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. Jesus said, you should pray. The word of God says you should pray without ceasing. But do you know the least attended service, and it is a service, you heard about it. We have praise and prayer service once a month. It is the least attended service. Now, I don't know why that is. I know why I didn't used to attend it in the church we came from, because I didn't think I could pray well enough to be around other people. But you know what? I didn't have to. I could come and I could be in agreement with what other people were praying, supporting other people. But what Christians lack, the greatest lack in their lives is prayer. One of the greatest lacks. And it says, when you are praying, first, do you know what that means in the Greek? <laughs> first. How many firsts are there? You can't have two firsts? So nothing can get in the place of this. First, this is before you do what he tells you to do. First, forgive. Before you go to the Father, your heavenly Father, the one who wants to do the best for you, you can't go until you operate in forgiveness. First, forgive anyone that made a mistake. Right? Just those ones that didn't mean to hurt you, but hurt you. Is that who it is we forgive? Because it wasn't intentional, it was an accident. No, forgive everyone, anyone, all. Because what's happening is it says forgive anyone that you are holding a grudge against. When somebody's holding a grudge against somebody else, how does that operate? How does that happen? Is it something that's in the past or is it in the present? It's in the present. Again, we're, we're talking about what affects real time, all the time. When you're holding a grudge, you're exerting energy again to hang on to something that's going to pull you down. So we're supposed to, before we, before we go to our Heavenly Father, we need to first forgive. And again, you do it by faith. Father, I choose to forgive them. I count it done. I give them over to you. Lord, work in their lives and work in my life. And you, you, you are reminded of that again. Five minutes later, oh, no, it's so-and-so's. No, 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 I've forgiven them. That's not my burden to carry. That's not my grudge to hug. Because we want to squeeze the life out of them, and it's squeezing the life out of us. So that your Father in heaven will forgive you Forgive your sins too. I don't know about you. I sin daily. I do know about you. You do too. Now, it's not that I am doing big sins, but guess what? Sin has the same payoff. It's whether, whether you're, you're, you think it's a big sin or not, it still pays off death. Now, do I try to sin? No, I try not to sin. But just like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, he said, those things I don't want to do, I do. And those things I do want to do, I don't do. What a wretched soul I am. This is the Apostle Paul. If he's wretched, I'm ultra wretched. <laughs> Some of you got us all beat. 
But then, then in chapter 8, right after that, where he says, you know, the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I do want to do, I don't do. Oh, how am I going to make this work? And then he starts to talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and how he's the one that empowers us, graces us, enables us to be able to forgive. See, it's not just about having the Holy Spirit so you can speak in tongues. It's not just about having the Holy Spirit so you can have the gifts of the Spirit in your life. It's not just about having the Holy Spirit that you'd have the fruit of the Spirit. It's so Holy Spirit can do life with you and in you and through you so that people will see Christ in you that the Bible says is the hope of glory. And so we... we we can't do this on our own. It's not about our effort. It's about our trust and reliance on God. Trust and reliance on God. And so why, why, why did I start to talk about Holy Spirit? Because in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the Bible tells us, for we know how dearly God loves us because... He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with what? His love. His love. Does God like everything everybody's doing? Does God hate things that people are doing? Does God love all people? Does God hate people because of what they're doing? And neither should we. And so it says... Holy Spirit fills us, our hearts, with his love. God loved us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. All that sin, all the trespasses, that was what was hurting God's heart and hurting the people he loved. You know, and that's one of the, one of the translations says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's sin. It's not doing what God has for us to do. We're choosing to do something else, whether it's our own idea or somebody else's or the enemy's. It's just not going to fulfill what God intended. So he's given us the Spirit of God. As a believer in Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit comes into our lives the day that we are saved, and he is there from then on. The thing that we need to do is always be filled with the Spirit of God, not filled with all the other stuff the world wants to pack into us. And it has to be an intentional decision that you choose to fill yourself up with the Spirit of God. Refill, refill, refill. Build yourself up. And that's where it says in Jude, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. But what does this do? How does this affect us? In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, it tells us about the love. God's love in us does not insist, and this, this is an indicator of how much we're filled with the love of God, does not insist on its own rights or its own ways. How many times do we do that? It's not self-seeking. How many times do we struggle with that? It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. How many times do we struggle with that? And then it says it takes no account no account. It does not acknowledge. It doesn't keep a list. It doesn't have a spreadsheet of the evil done to it. That's a supernatural thing, but so is love. The love of God is a supernatural thing because God is love and he is supernatural. And the work that he does in our lives is supernatural, above and beyond anything we can do. And it frees us from the stuff the enemy's trying to do. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. No attention. That's why when Jesus was asked, what do you do if somebody slaps you on your, your right cheek? What do you say? Deck them. Make sure they think twice before they would ever consider that again. That was the way I lived. I was a very violent person. 
God has done a change in me. But I want you to know, it can surface at any time. No, when he said, when they slap you on the right cheek, turn and give them your left. How many of you know that's not normal? But you're not supposed to be normal. None of us are. We're supposed to be unique. Anomalies in this world where they look at us and they say, how? And that's the very thing that draws them towards God. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. This is a supernatural work of God. But it's part of what his kingdom has for us to attain to, to become. People that don't keep track of all the wrong that everybody else does because we're so focused on the good of God and the good he has for us to do to others. Because you don't overcome evil with evil. The Bible says, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That's why we're supposed to bless and pray for our enemies and those that persecute us and despitefully use us. But you've got to forgive. In Luke chapter 37, or Luke chapter 6, verse 37, it says, Judge not, neither pronounce judgment nor subjecting to censure, and you will not be judged. Do not be conformed and pronounced guilty, condemned and pronounced guilty, and you will not be condemned and pronounced guilty. Acquit and forgive and release. Give up resentment. Let it drop, and you will be acquitted and forgiven and released. Why? Romans chapter 2, verse 1 says this. This is an eye-opener. This is, this will just slice through your flesh. Therefore, you are inexcusable, old man. Whatever, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same thing. I want to tell you something. This is, this is something you need to remember forever on this earth. The moment you recognize something going on wrong in somebody else's life, don't deal with them. Deal with you. I don't know if you've ever had this happen where you, you got a new car or you got something and, and all of a sudden you're seeing that everywhere. Well, it was always there. You just didn't notice it. But when it becomes part of you, you notice it everywhere. And when we start to judge, when we start to condemn, when we start to criticize, when we become unforgiving towards others, likelihood is it's already operating in us. And you can't control them. You can't make another person stop doing what they're doing. But you have every right to control you. And take care of it in your life and you'll stop sowing that seed. Do you know a lot of the stuff we're experiencing, we experience because of the principle of sowing and reaping? The Bible says as long as the earth remains, it's still here. What you sow is what you reap. And yeah, there are the instances that we're getting because somebody else is just doing it because they're having a bad day. But finally in Luke chapter 6, verse 41 and 42 this, this we're ending with, it says, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? See, that principle, you're seeing something in somebody else's life, like Romans chapter 2, verse 1 says, but it's operating in your life in a bigger way. Before you try and take care of the speck, you got to take care of the log in your eye. But how many of us know, we know it's a lot easier. I can look out there and say, oh, tch, Bill Mean. See the piece of work he is? <laughs> now, I can say that because Bill knows I love him. And I think he's a great work. But we make our judgments. And there's only one righteous judge. And he's going to judge all of us on a day. And I have no right to judge because I'm here not to remove somebody. I'm here to be a help to people. Well, that's because you're a pastor. No, that's because I'm a Christian. 
It goes on to say, how can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? This is what the world calls us. And this is what Jesus is telling us we're, we are. Hypocrites. I hate that word. Hypocrites. First, there's another first. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Man, there's a reason for that. You're dealing with something in your life. And where likelihood is a lot of us are dealing with this. I'm, I'm going to talk to the men for a second. Do you know that over 95% of men, when they are honest, will confess they have a struggle with pornography? And we don't want anybody to know. I have told you, I had two big things. Well, I have more than that, but two that you know of. Two big things in my life that I struggled with. Three. I can't keep going. One was alcohol. I was an alcoholic. I had an addiction to pornography, and I had a severe problem with anger. And I didn't want anybody to know. But that very fact that not letting anybody else know and trying to do it on my own condemned me to trial and failure. I would always fail. It wasn't until I opened up and let other men know and other people know my struggles so that they could stand with me and hold me accountable. And I'm telling you, men, you need to have somebody stand with you and hold you accountable and be able to call them and say, you know what, I'm struggling right now. I had somebody do that. I had told them, you know, and they had heard I had struggled with pornography. They texted me in the middle of the night and said, I am struggling right now. And I, and I texted back, I'm praying. Man, it makes all the difference and yet no difference at all when you know somebody's standing there with you. And the other reason, when you start to realize that you're helping someone go through what you went through and you realize you can't give them those pat Christian answers. Well, you just got to pray. Got to read your Bible. Got to go to church. All of those are true. But it's not easy. You have more compassion about what they're going through because you just went through it. You are more considerate because you're not going to just roughshod, pull it out, and get on with your life. You're going to be kind. You're going to be gentle. You're going to be caring. You're going to be firm. But they're going to know they have an ally, not an adversary working on them. And we all need that. And I'm out of time. But God, God is still wanting to work on us because all of us need work in the area of forgiveness. Because all of us want to receive forgiveness when we ask for it. But the way you set yourself up for that is you always operate in forgiveness before you need forgiveness. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you have never turned to Christ and realized and received the forgiveness that he purchased for you on the cross for your sin. That forgiveness, when we receive it, it makes a way for us to reconnect with our Heavenly Father in a way we were never connected before. And so this morning I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you, if you've never, never Turn to and trust it in Christ and receive that forgiveness to reconnect you with the Father. I'm going to pray that that happens. And, and I just want to know who I'm praying with. And if that's you, I just want you to quickly lift your hand and put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross and dying for my sin. 
Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I turn to you to trust you to be Lord of my life. Come into my life and guide me. Govern me and guard me from this day forward. I am yours. You are mine. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer here, let somebody know. Let an usher know or Pastor Jeremy know or, or Mickey or, you know, even, even somebody that you don't know. Let them know that you prayed because we're going to celebrate that. And if you're online and you prayed, let us know. Go to the website, reslifeny.org, and go down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. And if you want us to contact you, give us contact information.